Hey, hey, what's the bus? So tell me what's happening. This is the Pyro Light Fantasy Football Podcast. You are listening to Pyromaniac Mo. Give a brother a follow. I'm on Twitter, P-Y-R-O-M-A-N-I-A-C-M-O. You can follow the regular Pyro crew. The official Pyro Twitter is Pyromaniac with a one, P-Y-R-O-M-A-N-1-A-C. I'm all letters, Pyromaniac Mo. You just heard a little bit of the intro music from a band called Organ from the album The Killing Floor. The song is called Duck and Cover. Hang out at the end. You can hear the whole thing. And folks, we are ready to get the season rolling. We're recording this thing Thursday before the Thursday night game. And as always, hopefully pyromaniac.com is your go-to weapon before the draft and during the season. Check us out pyromaniac.com. Once again, I am joined by my favorite guest and many of yours as well. Dave T. Thomas, you can hear him here and on the Scouts Honor podcast with Paul Crane. He is the official publisher of the NFL Draft Report, which was the Bible for years and years in the NFL. He's a NFL scout and talent evaluator for 50 years and running. Dave T., how are you? Pretty good, pretty good. Just looking at the board, though, I'm telling you, if you guys out there were playing fantasy football and need a running back, good luck, buddy. No, why do you say that? I, you, you look at not only the injuries that are out there, so many teams right now are going to that committee purpose. You look at the situation down at Pittsburgh right now with Le'Veon Bell, so you're taking a, a quality scoring piece for any fantasy football team that has now been put in limbo. You look at the injury factor, I'm concerned about down in New Orleans. They cleared out everything at running back. They bring in a guy from New, uh, from New England to back up Kamara, and meanwhile, Kamara, if you look at the body size, it's not a guy that you want to hand the ball to 30 times a game. He worked complimentary pretty well with Ingram, but now we're going to see if Kamara could carry the big load. My problem with that is by the time Ingram comes back, will Kamara be out of gas? Well, let's start with, with Bell. Uh, this is about money, clearly. He doesn't want to get hurt. He's got the, the tag. He doesn't want to get hurt before he can draw a big contract. What do you think are in the cards for his season in Pittsburgh? From the looks of it, this could be a long, long holdout, yeah. folks. He he yeah. doesn't have to show up till week 10. The thing that he's saying over there is that I don't want them running into the ground. Geez, even at the, even at the franchise tag, Mo, you know, 14 mil plus, I'm running that dude out there on every freaking play. I'm putting him out there on special teams if I can. I want to get my $14 million worth, whether he's with me or not next year. Now, you say week 10, so basically, let me see if I got this right. He can still accrue the season. It'll still count for him as long as he plays week 10 or later. Is that right? Yeah, but, you know, he'll lose get- those. He'll, he'll lose those paychecks leaving up to that. But, you know, you look around the league right now, the teams are getting smarter and smarter. They're not going to hand out five, six-year deals to running backs anymore. If there's any position that's sort of in the twilight zone where it comes to long-term deals, it's at RB. Now, if you're a defensive ending, you can get to the quarterback. You can walk away with $141 million, even though you can't even play pass coverage. Yeah, so it really... Where do where do you stand on this? Is this Bell's? Is this in his interest? Considering he's playing with a franchise tag, they don't care if they necessarily get him hurt. I mean, they we saw what Gurley made earlier. Bell would probably be in line to make more. So even if he misses, you know, nine game checks, he's going to make up for that tenfold. 
as long as uh, he's the off-field the issues, Mo. You look at the crowd he hangs out with. You look at a couple of uh, deals out there where he didn't exactly do well with the P-Cup. You look at each year that he's played out there, he's been ding-danged and dunged. And then you got to look at the birth certificate. Okay, he's still young, but I, my birth certificate, as far as a running back goes, is the touches. Yeah. He's got a lot of tread on the tires. So do you think a big windfall could, is someone going to sign him to a huge mammoth contract? Well, you got Chucky out at Oakland that's trying to bring in every old fart that he could find on the planet. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'm looking at the Oakland Raiders. If you look at their roster from when they went into training camp and the roster that Chucky has now, it's worse than what they had last year. So it, there's a lot of concerns with uh, several teams. Uh, you look at what the Giants did, Mo. Uh, they went through training camp and everything, and then the next thing you know, they played the gong show on the waiver wires. Well... Let me get back to something you brought up a second ago. Kamara, uh, the the Saints, they picked up Gillisley. Now, Kamara's not necessarily a big bruiser, and he's going to have to tote the rot. Now, they got Gillisley, so I'm assuming they're going to use him once they get in closer. But really, it's going to be mainly Kamara. I mean, Ingram, he's out, what, four games. He comes back for game five, and then they got to buy. So... Kamara is going to have to really hold up unless you think Gillisley is going to be getting the rock that much. What do you think? Well, here's my problem with giving him the rock. He has two days that he's been running behind that offensive line. You know, you got to pick and choose your holes. You have to have that familiarity with your blockers up front. Your blockers have to know which way you're going to go. Are you going to be cutting left? Do you feel more so a bouncing outside? Uh, right now, these guys are still in the introductory stage. I think that when they come down to short yardage situations, they'll probably see Gillespie in because all it is is pound the ball right up the gut. But to bring him in as a relief factor for Kamara, uh, the only way I could see that is if I'm bringing him in on pass pro because uh, you thank God that they got a guy like Drew Brees. Thank God Drew Brees is hooked up with uh, a guy that it seemed like a perfect marriage with him and Ben, Fra- uh, ben Watson. Now, Kamara lit the world on fire last year, and you've seen a lot of these fantasy sites are, are writing, we know the next Kamara this year it's going to be, and then you got to pay him some money to, to find out who they say. Kamara. He's not a big bruiser. He's 5'10", 215, according to Roto-Wire. Now, do you see more of a shift towards a bigger back that can withstand the the load? Or do we want a quick, fast-twitch guy like Kamara? I still say we're going to see one-twos out there, but we're going to see the little man getting more reaction than the big man. You know, years ago, we wanted to pound the ball, yeah. but now they're seeing the third the third down options as a receiver. They're seeing a guy that they could possibly even line up wide. This is what teams are starting to look for. Hell, the best one of all of them is probably coming out next year, and he's resting down in Maryland right now. I've never seen a kid like Ty Johnson. All right, since you brought it up, this is beyond I, – I watched Notre Dame, go Irish, beat Michigan. But tell me some names to look for. You're, you're the college guy. I think I just pulled you out of the, the, the video room. Give me some running backs. Who are you excited about? I just finished all my reports on Ty Johnson. He went into – he's going into the season listed as the 37th running back eligible for the draft. Me, I got him in my top three. Why? Here's a kid that's averaged 7.5 yards a pop, but check this out. On his 14 touchdowns, his distance on his touchdowns is 39.26 yards. This is a kid. He's only 5'9", 212 pounds, but he runs a 4'28", and he's never – 
drop the ball, whether as a receiver, whether as a kickoff returner, or whether as a ball carrier. This is a guy that I'm looking at right now, especially with the new wager, the offenses that are coming out. Honestly, I think I could get more production out of uh, Ty Johnson than the Giants are going to get out of Saquon Barkley this year. Now, you lead me to a couple of questions. Why do you say that with Barkley? Just the, the injury he suffered in camp? No, because I go back and look at his history over at Penn State. 183 yards one day, 47 yards the next day, 200 yards the next day. Then all of a sudden, there he is down at 60. He's sort of like my Coney Island roller coaster. But, you know, sooner or later, people got to realize you might as well be on a, a steady stream than being on a, a wooden roller coaster that Saquon Barkley is going to bring on the field. And compare, I mean, it's we're comparing apples to oranges, but uh, the line he was running back behind Penn State and what he's got with the Giants. Well, the Giants' offensive line is obviously better than what Penn State had. I think they were like 110th in, uh, in allowing sacks last year. Uh, he basically had to create a lot of his holes, but that's where I get a little worried about Barkley because with all of his speed and everything, he doesn't run behind his blocks well. Uh, he's the type of guy that will over-pursue his blocks, and that's going to bring a lot of dings on the body. You end up with those dings on the body, you're on the sidelines. You're on the sidelines. We're talking about Gallman or we're talking about Stewart. That's a big drop in talent. All right. Now, you mentioned uh, Ty Johnson, Maryland. Now, there are some big names out there. I mean, uh, uh, don't, don't bring up Bryce Love to me because I'm telling everybody <laughs> right now uh, what you saw uh, uh, with him against San Diego State last week, you're going to have the same factor this week. And I'm telling you why. They could lost three starters on that offensive line one to graduation, two now out with injuries. Their best offensive lineman, Jesse Burkett, won't even be playing this week. They're going up against USC. If people thought that he had a bad game against the Aztecs, watch what the Trojans. Do. I think the Trojans got one hell of a team. Yeah, USA Today, <laughs> that's where I'm looking. I was going to bring him up next. He's their number one, Bryce Love. Well, Bryce Love is number one over there. They need to hire Alan Alder because <laughs> I think that, well, you go back and look at last year. I mean, it was the constant issue with the ankle injury. And even in camp this year, he was still having ankle injuries. When I got a guy that can't carry the load, he's the type of guy that he's a slippery back. But a slippery back that can't get into the cutback lanes because he doesn't have that pivot issue with his ankle, that's going to be a concern of mine. I, I look at him, I go back and look at a guy that everybody was raving about years ago out of North Carolina, Jacques Lewis, and I see the same thing with Bryce Love. You go back and look at Tavon Austin when he came out of West Virginia. I see the same way with uh, with Bryce Love. I just don't see Bryce Love as being the guy I'm going to handle the ball 25 times a game in the NFL. The kids break down palace waiting to happen. All right, well, g- give me two more names. You got Ty Johnson. Who else should fantasy f- NFL drafters be watching getting ready for for next season? Well, it all depends on who comes out, Mo. Yeah. You know, especially yeah. at the running back, you're going to get a lot of your juniors all of a sudden popping up on the board. I really like the kid up of Washington, Miles Gaskin. I really want to see what he's going to do this year because they just lost their best offensive lineman in Adams who went in for back surgery. L.J. Scott really moves that ball well up at Michigan State. Uh, I'm pretty much convinced that Karen Higdon up at uh, Michigan is going to do a plummet on draft day. 
The reason behind it, I don't see Michigan having a really good team. A kid that I like is a third-round type of guy that I think you're going to get tremendous value from is Rodney Smith up in Minnesota. This is a good pass catcher coming out of the backfield. And then you got to look at the Alabama guy, Damian Harris. To me right now, Harris is my best running back. Damian Harris is your best graded back right now? Coming out of college, yeah. You know, he's not fast. He's not as big as Derrick Henry, but I see the same power up the gut type of guy. And I like a guy that can move the change. Remember one thing, you only have to go four downs to get 10 yards and get your first down. I'm not too convinced with the home run hitters, except for the Ty Johnson thing, just because his numbers are ridiculous. Right now, you know, when you're sitting back and you look at all of his touchdowns, He's averaging over 44 yards a touchdown as a receiver, kickoff returner, and as a tailback. The record before that was 23.96 yards by Barry Sanders. So you're talking about a guy that's doubled the numbers that Barry did on the touches to get into the end zone. Uh, That's the type of guy I look around right now, Mo. Will he be in every down back? I think so. I think even at 212 pounds, 5'9", this is a guy that I look out there, and I'm seeing a lot of Warwick done in. Well, we're talking running backs today, so here's a, a few other ones that USA Today has their top five. Who uh, do you like and who brings uh, the Tums? Wh- wh- when are you running for the Tums when you hear the name? Because it's upsetting you. So they've got number two, Jonathan Taylor. Three, David Montgomery. Four, J.K. J. K. Dobbins. Five, Justice Hill. Yeah, but none of those guys are eligible for the draft. They're most of them are sophomores over there. I mean, okay. unless they're going to change the rules. Obviously, the best running back is Taylor, hands down. But And you, you, you love what that kid could do. He's probably the best thing that the Badgers have ever kicked out in the backfield. And they've kicked out some Buku ones. But, you know, he's only a soft next year. Oh, wow. Some young backs, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me tell you, it's the young brood that's coming up. Remember what I said a couple of shows ago? I think we're going to see a cultural change at running back. Yeah. You look at even in fantasy football, everybody goes for the receivers, quarterbacks, and everything. They disregard the running backs. You go back five, ten years ago, you had to get your two running backs within the first three rounds of a fantasy draft. Now you have to do it more out of necessity because you're not going to find much left there, you know, when you start hitting into those mid that's exactly right it's uh you got to get them quick because if they fall off a cliff really quickly uh what the coaches are using mo it's like okay you're my third down guy okay you're my end around guy okay you're my guy that i'm bringing in in the red zone so what do you got yeah you got a hydra there with a bunch of heads well let's talk about a running back by community team that's near and dear to my heart of course detroit we've got the rookie karen johnson You've got Blunt, who's the goal line back. You've got Theoretic catching out of the, the backfield. Hell, they, they hung on to Amir Abdullah. So they got four. I'm, I'm really counting three, Blunt, Riddick, and Johnson. What do you think of this team in their backfield? Uh... I think that we've got a lot of problems over there on both sides of the ball. I think that the offensive line really needs to start to gel. I think that if you take away their quarterback and their wide receivers, they're going to have problems on the offense, especially at the tight end spot. They didn't address that too well. Uh, The running backs, I, I would go with Johnson from the start. The kid is a freak. But you know what they're going to do, especially with Patricia there, bringing in Blunt. Blunt's going to be the short yardage. Riddick's going to come in on third down. Abdul is just going to pray that the Turk doesn't show up on his door on a weekly basis. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. 
from the system he's coming from the patriots they they'd use all that they drove fantasy owners crazy because you never knew is it a white is it last year gillisley who's rex burkhead and all these guys last year they had lewis and kind of the same thing this year so you're telling me detroit's going to give me the headache that the patriots used to give fantasy owners I keep telling everybody to sleep around Detroit right now is their third wide receiver. Watch the way that Kenny Galladay starts getting into tune with Stafford. That That's going to be a big key there. You, you look at, too, that Golden Tate wants the big deal. So they're going to start grooming Galladay to take over at that spot. Marvin Jones, Tate, Galladay, I go with the three wideouts, especially considering that we're not going to get much outside of blocking from my tight ends. Yeah, I've been telling people that I think that's the best trio of wide receivers starting. Well, you got to go back and look at Galladay last year till the hammy hit. Man, this kid came out of the box really well. Yeah. Now he's had a good. Uh, he's had a good preseason. My problem is though, you know, I don't take wins and losses in preseason to heart, but I do take execution out there. And both sides of the ball, Mo, they really look sloppy. I don't know if it's the coaching yeah. itself or the guys getting used to a new system, but. I don't know. I see this team probably being one of those stumbles coming out of the blocks for the first four games before they write the, their mask. I don't like hearing that. I, I'm hoping they, they put up the points and Stafford throws for 5,000 yards at least. And we, we put up at least big games. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, but you know, if that Stafford's thrown for 5,000 yards, it's because your running backs can't get them 100. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think that's always kind of been the case in Karen Johnson, maybe in Dynasty, a few years, but I, I don't see any clarity coming this year. Who, who's your favorite Detroit running back? My running I, I go with the freak. Throw Johnson in there. You know why? I, I looked at him at Auburn, and it was like, my God, you look at his body, and you look at what he does, and it, it, you just have to marvel at the guy getting the best out of his average ability. Me, I would put him out there, see what he could do, because still, you got to look at one thing. This is a kid with fresh legs. He didn't get much of an opportunity down at Auburn until last year, so, you know, I want to see what this kid could do, and if he did what he did last year for the Tigers, he might as well go out and do it for the Lions. And what will that do? Hopefully it will be squashing the Bears. So you got your Tigers, Lions, and Bears situation. <laughs> oh my. We are here <laughs> with Dave T. Thomas. This is Pyromaniac Mo. We're going to pause to pay the bills, but we were talking about a big time rookie, Karrion Johnson. I want to hear what Dave has to say about another rookie that has been rocketing up draft boards even though he's not getting the official start Royce Freeman in Denver hang with us we're talking more 2018 NFL running backs with Dave T Thomas we will be right back all right folks thank you for sticking with the pyrolite fantasy football podcast this is pyromaniac mo we're talking college and NFL running backs going where the conversation takes us I'm with Uncle Dave T. Thomas, NFL scout for over 50 years. We just talked a little bit about uh, the Lions. I'm a homer. I love the Lions. We talked about their rookie in Karrion Johnson. Now let's look at Royce Freeman. Uh, Do you like this kid as, as a sleeper? He's not even starting, Dave. What do you think of that? 
You know, if, uh, what, what do you call it? If Chubb didn't end up going senior crappy pants in preseason, if Mitchell didn't end up blowing out his knee, he probably won't be back to game four. It was, I thought that the, that the Georgia guys were going to end up walking away respectively with the rookie of the years. Now I'm looking at one thing over here. Royce Freeman, the place is yours. You're the best running back that Denver's had since Terrell Davis. I am so glad they went with him instead of Devontae Booker to start the season. You've got nothing that you could lose by throwing your rookie out there. Watch what this kid does. Remember Steven Jackson when he was with the Rams, came out of the same university. You're getting a clone of Royce Freeman. I think he's probably the best receiver out of any of the backs in this draft that's not named J- uh, Jalen Samuels. And you are right. Now, I heard even last weekend that they were going to roll with Booker, but look on Rotowire right now, they're, he's um, Royce Freeman is listed as the top back going into week one. So they must there's have had a change of heart. So much, there's only so much that John Elway could do to try to erase his folly with Paxton Lynch. And if he would have stuck with Devontae Booker and kept Royce Freeman on the bench, yeah. I'll tell you one thing, Vance Joseph wouldn't have survived the season. All right, so I was in a recent dynasty draft. Royce Freeman was on the board. I ended up going with with one of your guys because it's dynasty. So it's not just this year, it's every year. So I ended up, I took guys, traded him for Chubb. Who's going to have a better career, Royce Freeman or Chubb? Oh, Freeman. Freeman's going to have a better career? Let me tell you one thing. 20 years from now, I see that kid in Canton. I told everybody in the draft, and I was shocked that he slid to the third round. Okay, he was banged up a little bit over at Oregon, but this is the most complete back in this draft. I look at this guy, I see Steven Jackson all over again. I see a guy that's probably going to walk away with this year with at least 1,250 yards. It wouldn't even surprise me if he averages about 90 yards a game. The thing what I like about him, though, is I'm probably going to get at least five, six touches with him, at least coming out of the backfield as a receiver. He's great at picking up the blitz. Reminds me a lot of Ezekiel in that form because he does sit back and he can play pass protection quite well. This is the most complete back that we're going to see in quite a while. If I could have had you in my ear like like 48 hours ago, I was it was between Freeman and Chubb. I went with Chubb. I'm having some buyer's remorse now that I'm talking to you. 238 pounds of raw power. He runs a sub 4.5. He carries his pads well. He could catch out of the backfield. He could block. He's also an excellent second level blocker for anything that you're probably going to do with your middle, uh, with your intermediate passing game. I'm telling you, by the time this season is over with man John Elway, everybody's going to forget about the Paxton Lynch situation. Another guy, you brought up Sleeper Central five podcasts ago with me, Philip Lindsay. He was, I don't know, six on the depth chart now. He's third. Slight kid, 5'8", 190 pounds, uh, third running back on the Broncos' depth chart. Why did you like this kid then, and do you still like him now? Well, I guess because I'm a Colorado Buffalo, he's number one. But number two, I look at the guy. He's a great scat back. He's a type of guy. Remember Mercury Morris years ago? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you had Kick, you had Zonker, and then all of a sudden, zoom, zoom, zoom. There goes Ricochet Rabbit. That's what you're going to see in Lindsay. I see Lindsay uh, moving up to number two quite a bit. Watch what he's going to do on the return skills alone to at least electrify the audience. Watch him come in as a receiver. Watch them line him up as a slot receiver also. There's a lot of weaponry that's inside Phil Lindsay that they haven't even discovered yet. All right. Uh, Lindsay's going to be exciting. And you think he can overtake Booker? 
Yeah, I'll definitely overtake Booker, and he would be, how could I put it, uh, here's the towel, Royce, uh, go take yourself a breather for a minute, and I'm going to step in for you. All right. Now, so he, this is kind of the system that a lot of teams are using. A couple of backs, uh, running back by committee, even, dare I say, community, where you've got like the Lions situation, at least three. Someone not necessarily going that way. We're, we're talking Chucky. Now, they've got Marshawn Lynch, old school running back. He's trying to resurrect Doug Martin. And then they've got Jalen Richard, DeAndre Washington, who's already questionable, Chris Warren, who flashed in the preseason, but he's on IR. What do you think of the Raiders running back depth chart? I think their entire team is in trouble. Uh, here they are. They're going in the season with a rookie at left tackle. Uh, they have their problems blocking to begin with. You saw that during the exhibition season. You got the age at wide receiver. I mean, outside of Deborah Carr, I think everybody else over there is starting to collect their social security checks already. <laughs> uh, I, 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 you know, I look at everything and I say, get everybody to the gas station because those two running backs are going to run out of gas on you pretty quick. I just think that Chucky, uh, well, maybe that will lend to the rumors with Bruce Allen coming in as general manager next year because Chucky's playing Bruce Allen this year. I haven't met a young player I liked. Well, now you see... You judge a running back necessar- not necessarily by age, but tread on the tires. Wouldn't you say Marshawn Lynch, I mean, he doesn't have as much tread on the tires as most 30-year-old running backs. He's 32. Of course, he only had 111 carries in 2015, took yeah, but, 2016 but off. Yeah, but you look at that guy, man. I mean, you know, Frank Sinatra sung, sang the song, You Gotta Have Heart. I just don't he, think he's motivated anymore. To him, his only motivation is Monday when he goes to the bank. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I'm hoping we see something from Marshawn. He's certainly fun to watch. And if you watch him in the preseason, he had a, I don't know, 60-yard run that was called back, offensive penalty. He had another long touchdown. I'm hoping he's still got some gas in the tank. Yeah, if not, we'll play the 70s song going through the motions. <laughs> All right. Well, I hope that's not the case. I love seeing some beast mode. Uh, what do you think, though, about this Doug Martin? Is there some sort of sight that old Gruden can see with Doug Martin? Because he was kind of a every other year kind of a kid and then just really kind of went away. Do you see anything there with Doug Martin? Well, what I see with Doug Martin is is that Doug Martin is just hanging on to pick up a paycheck. Understand if Doug Martin had anything, you know, I know that they want to go with Derrick Henry as their back, but do you go ahead and leave nothing behind Derrick Henry just for the fact that, hey, we need to clear up cap over here? No, if they thought he had any value left, he'd still be with the team. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm hoping that Oakland proves you wrong because I've got some ownership of Marshawn Lynch. We Shall I, I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news today, but I'm telling you, it's it, it's really a sorry situation when you look at the running backs around this league. Dave, so I need you on speed dial when I'm doing my drafts here so I can well, get you definitely, info. you know, either that or uh, <laughs> keep me under the table and just toss me a cookie every now and then. Uh, man, we I can do that and a beer. <laughs> so that is no problem. Let's move over not too far in your neck of the woods, I do believe. Arizona, lots of excitement. Dave Johnson's back. You know, people are saying, well, it was just a wrist. It was a kind of a fluky injury. Now, I've heard you say, yeah, maybe fluky injury, but he carries the ball with that risk, and he is the ball carrier. So what do you see yep. for uh, him and the guy behind him? 
run him as far as you could go with him, but if he goes down, I think you're going to find a sleeper in Chase Edmonds. If you got a way, if you have a, a taxi squad or a practice squad yeah. in your fantasy football, I grab him just for the simple fact is anytime you're dealing with a running back with a wrist, you know, one pop to the wrist again, the bone's going to break. Another pop to the wrist, he's going to cough up the football. So if Johnson does go down, you look at what they got. They got Chase Edmonds and TJ Logan. Me, I'd be very comfortable with bringing Chase Edmonds in and giving him 20, 25 touches. I think this kid right now is the David Johnson of the 2018, the mid-round draft pick that's just waiting for an opportunity to see what happens with a veteran. Uh, my big key over there, uh, luckily for them, they moved a Michigan offensive tackle to a position I said that he should have been playing from day one. Mason Cole takes over for A.Q. Uh, Shipley. You saw when they went into the third and fourth in, uh, uh, preseason that the offensive line did start to gel. I think by having a rookie between those two veterans at God, whether it's Johnson, whether it's Edmonds, if they're going to run between tackles, they're going to get those holes open at the B-gaps. Yeah, well, you've mentioned a couple of guys that you could easily, fantasy owners, pick up off waiver wires. Uh, Phil Lindsay, he's on Fantasy Football Calculator. He's not going in the first 16 rounds, nor is Edmonds. So a couple names to stash away, maybe early waiver wire pickups. Now, what do you think about Johnson, though, and the risk? Is this something to be concerned? About. I like the kid. I think he's a good back. I wouldn't have put him in my top 10 of backs, though, even though that's what he's looking for, his top three money. I think my big sleeper on that team right now is a wide receiver, their second-round draft pick. Somebody's going to have to compliment Larry Fitzgerald. I don't think it's going to be Chad Williams or J.J. Nelson. I, I was going to ask Christian. you about Chad Williams. I don't even know. That came out of left field. I didn't even know who that was, to be honest with you. Well, uh, third round draft pick they picked up last year. You know, he, he's a guy. Let's put it to you that way. Uh, right, just a guy. They needed they needed somebody to wear jersey number sixteen. Okay. So me, meanwhile, I'm rolling the dice on an unlucky number over here. If you're coming up and you need a wide receiver right now, and he's sitting out there on waivers, put in a claim on Christian Kirk because this kid not only is a receiver, a blocker, but his return duties. You know, the season starts going on, and everybody's seeing that Larry's going to end up getting double-team covered. Somebody on the other end might be open. That could be Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk, Fantasy Football Calculator, going at the end of the 14th round in 12-team PPR. So he could very easily be on your waiver wire week one. Well, And last thing, Arizona, I know you're an Arizona guy. I used to live out there. How concerned are you about the offensive line? You know, I was very concerned when Shipley went down, but they moved Cole in. And if you go back and look at Michigan's film from 2016 when Cole was at center, that team was a monster. I mean, he really knows how to get low in his pads. He's got good swing ability. I like the way he plays with his reach blocks. Then you got Justin Pugh over at right tackle. Andre Smith surprised me. He looked good, really good in training camp. And this is a guy that, you know, he's still trying to live down that first uh, round label. I think DJ Humphreys is going to be the key. The problem is keeping a Samoan guy, Mike Iopata, out there on the football field because he goes down with an injury again. They have no depth whatsoever on that offensive line. That will be their Achilles heel if they got to dip into their second team. Okay. All right. Lots of people taking Arizona players. Another one I just want to ask you about, since I just finished a dynasty draft, not a running back, but Rosen. What do you think of him? Is He has got a big chip on his shoulder. Wasn't the first quarterback taken. He's got a guy in front of him who's oft injured. 
Can he fill in first year and do well with the Cardinals? Sam Bradford has been injured so much, the Affleck duck flew out of the stadium. <laughs> you know, if you look at any of the quarterbacks out there, you know, obviously Nathan Peterman's going to be on a quick hook. And if they go with Josh Allen up there, oh, holy hell is going to break loose because I don't think he's ready for prime time. Meanwhile, I think Rosen's ready. I, I actually thought that Rosen would end up being a starter before even Sam Donald would be. You look at the injury factor with Sam, but as long as Sam is healthy out there on the football field, the only thing Josh is going to do is observe from the sidelines. Okay. All right. Well, that's good. I like a guy who's saying he's the best and got a big chip on his shoulder, and he can grow with Christian Kirk. So I certainly like him. And uh, People in Arizona hopeful for the young guy? They're going to... Give him a chance. Oh, yeah, yeah. They they like him. They, they, matter of fact, the veterans love him. As soon as he came in, that was his first thing was he, he had to live down the label that he had at UCLA. And it wasn't so much uh, that he was an a-hole there. It was more that his coach sort of let him run a little amok. And when your coach doesn't know when to pull the reins in on his Mustang, what happens? You, you got to get out there and you got to start lassoing the guy. All right, Dave T. We're going to pause just one more time. Got to fix the leaky roof here and pay the bills. We're going to come back and turn to a guy and perhaps a team, the the Panthers, a guy that was rocketing up boards, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, He ended up basically being a first-round pick. If you drafted just recently, you could have got him in in third, second round for most of the preseason. Going to see what Dave has to say about McCaff and some of the guys over there on the Panthers' depth chart, maybe C.J. Anderson. We'll hear from him if you just stay tuned. All right, fantasy football fans, thanks for sticking with me. This is Pyromaniac Moan, the Pyrolite podcast episode 69 we are here once again with dave t thomas talking a little bit of everything little college football running backs assessing the waters a little litmus test for the nfl this year kind of just jumping around the league picking dave's head as there is filled with so much good goo and so much knowledge mccaffrey is this guy going to really be able to sustain and is he going to get all the touches they're talking about well, you got your left tackle and your right tackle. Uh, your left yeah. tackle won't even be playing this year. Darrell Williams just stepped on the football field again this week. Uh, Ryan Kalil has had himself an up-and-down career. Uh, you look at their two offensive guards, they're really found wanting. Uh, they picked up Corey Robinson at the last minute, but they're playing a guard out at left tackle and Taylor Moten with the other Khalil out. I uh, look at the wide receivers. I don't think Torrey Smith is going to hold on to that job too long. I think D.J. Moore, especially with the, his mismatch ability on the deep ball, I, I see him moving into the lineup. I think that they got themselves a sleeper. Uh, won't be getting much action this year, more than likely next year, if Greg Olson does decide to pack it in. But they got to stud at uh, the tight end position in Ian Thomas. And once that kid comes around, we're going to see a second coming of Jimmy Graham. Uh, I think Cam Newton's going to have a fine year this year. I think Cam is matured to the point right now where he's not going to try to create everything on his own. He's seen that he has more tools than he had last year. And the only thing is trying to keep him upright. If that offensive line can make sure that Cam is not laying down on the ground too much, I think this team can move. If you look at their defense, the defense is really, you got the ageless Julius yep. Peppers. Uh, Don Terry Poe is probably one of the more underrated uh, defensive tackles out there, not named Fletcher Cox or Aaron Donald. 
Uh, you look at their linebacker unit when you got Cooch Lee and Shaq Thompson coming in on you every shot. Uh, it definitely compensates for having uh, Taylor out for the first four games. Their secondary is a big key right now. I'm really a little concerned about the secondary, but watch that little mighty mite that they got from LSU. He's a scrapper. He's sort of like a mosquito that's going to get underneath the wide receiver's uh, face mask. Uh, who are we talking about? Mike Adams? Oh, sorry, Dante Jackson. Oh, Dante Jackson. Okay. The, I love uh, that little right, guy. You know, right he, he, he reminds me of that little knight from uh, uh, from uh, the Monty Python movie, The Holy Grail. You know, you cut off his legs, he still wants to punch you. You cut off his arms, he wants to bite you. That's Dante yeah. on the football field. <laughs> yeah, 5'10", 180 pounds. Oh, if he's uh, yeah. 180 pounds, his mother's sitting in his pocket. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, I like it, and I, I like the Monty Python reference. <laughs> Real quick, though, before we turn off, it, two things with Carolina. C.J. Anderson. Now, I was all excited when he went there. I didn't think, you know, early on McCaffrey was going to be getting as many touches. I thought, boy, I, I really like him. Uh, McCaffrey played with uh, some terrible backs thus far. C.J. Anderson, probably the best one he's played with. I don't know if we're going to see that much from C.J. Anderson, though. What do you think? Is this only a breaking case of situation if um, McCaffrey goes down, or are we going to, is he going to actually get involved in the game script? Well, you got to understand one thing. In McCaffrey, I could line him up and go three wide receivers with that guy and bring C.J. in. I can put both of them in the backfield and really confuse the defense. Are, are they going for a pass on this thing? And C.J.'s a pretty decent blocker. The only thing with having C.J. on the roster is it sort of uh, takes back the progress that Cameron Otis Payne made. And I think Cameron Otis Payne is going to be a decent backup for somebody in this league. But right now, you got a guy that, what, he got 1,100 yards last year of for that buck that they had to pay for him, I bring him in and I put him in, the, in my offense any day of the week. Yeah, he's been over four yards of carry for every single – he's been in the t- league since 2013, over four yards of carry every year, broke the 1,000-yard mark for rushing last year, chipped in with some receiving, had 28 receptions. So I think he's a good player. I'd like to see him get more looks than I, I fear with McCaffrey and all the talk, that all the hype that he's getting. If John Elway did not draft Royce Freeman as the eventual replacement over there for C.J. Anderson, John Elway would have been on the unemployment line at the end of the year. That Denver team right now has got themselves some problems. I'm looking at Demarius Thomas of being a very angry young man this year. I'm looking at Cortland Sutton getting a lot of the action uh, where Thomas is. I don't see Thomas with the Denver Broncos come 2019. Yeah, I think both Thomas and Sanders have contracts to 2020, but I think you're right that one of them is going to be gone. Well, especially if the second round that comes through the way that everybody has been saying he's been doing in training camp. You, yep. you look at the size of Cortland Sutton, and he can match up with Demarius Thomas. So, you know, if you've got to get rid of either a Sanders or a Thomas, obviously you're going to get rid of Thomas because you've got a clone there in Sutton to come in. Their big thing is getting that offensive line to think smart because look at last year. I mean, Gabbard Bowles, I mean, it was like every time turning around, they were tossing a flag on the field. He was either getting a holding penalty or a personal foul somewhere. Well, you brought up a couple wide receivers. Let's talk a couple rookies real quick. You said Sutton. He's already third wide receiver on the team. Uh, Ridley, 
third wide receiver on the team. DJ that, Moore. That, that's not going to last long. You think that's going to oh, no. last long? I think Mohamed Sanu is going to be saying sayonara to his starting job real quick. I, I'm just not a fan of them using Ridley on special teams. Why risk injury with a guy over here that you know is going to be your franchise receiver? Because you know that Julio Jones, even though he is great in his own right, he does have himself a litany of injuries. Yeah. Now, another guy, though, that we thought was going to be playing and he drafted super early. I think he was the first one gone. DJ Moore, they've got him listed fourth on the depth chart in Carolina right now. Yeah, but Jarius Wright and old man Torrey Smith. Yeah, but look what happened over there. The, the guy that he was listed behind goes in for heart surgery yesterday and Curtis Samuel. And, you know, Torrey Smith is the Henny Youngman of uh, the NFL's wide receivers right now. Take Torrey, please. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that guy's been so many places. I'd like to look at the tags on his luggage. Yeah, I was hoping he was going to do something in San Francisco. He did not. Well, no and... truth to the rumors that all of his jerseys will be selling at his sporting goods store because they couldn't hold them all. <laughs> and uh, what now? Why do you think, though, that DJ Moore isn't playing more of a role? Is he being outplayed or. Is he just not showing like we thought he would? No, he, he was showing. I think what it is is they're just trying to preach patience over here. We'll bring you along, you know. But when I say, too, if I'm going deep, I want DJ Moore going deep. My God, you look at last year, 31 jump balls, and he came down with 28 of them. Yeah. Uh, he's going to be exciting, right? That's the kind of guy Cam likes. Well, you know, just as long as he doesn't get traded and trashed Cam in the middle of the football field, they'll do okay. Yeah, little Calvin Benjamin. Uh, I, I can't believe he's talking as much junk as he is, considering where he landed. Well, you know, that's the problem with Kelvin over there. You know, the mouth is always open, and that's probably why he's pushing 250 right now in the weight department. Well, uh, since we are kind of dipping back and forth, wide receiver, running back, another Buffalo, well, ex-Buffalo player, ex-Colorado player, Corey Coleman. What happened? It, it, it guesses as good as mine and yours over there. I think Corey right now has to take a uh, look in the mirror. I yeah. mean, not only that, you look at what's going on at Buffalo. You don't know what you're going to get out of Shady. Uh, Chris Avery's banged up. Who's going to carry the ball for them? They're going with Nathan Peterman as their quarterback to open up the season. Uh, they traded away McCarron. Peterman goes out and does what he did last year in his debut over here. You know what we're going to throw out there is Josh mm-hmm. Allen. Yeah. And then if you and then if you're uh, playing uh, the spread over here, you're definitely going to take uh, Buffalo. Uh, you're going to definitely take any opponent at Buffalo plays. In all fairness, Josh Allen, I thought, looked better in preseason than I ever gave him credit for. Yeah, but look at the offensive line. They got four new starters on the offensive line. They got three guys over there that shouldn't even be in the league. Yeah, yeah he uh, st- started he, great. Third no, no, season I, mean, was a, was a mess. I mean, outside of uh, Charles Clay, you, you're really wondering what they have. I mean, Zay Jones, we saw during the offseason, he went yeah. uh, totally ballistic out at L.A. His brother right now is uh, suspended up in Minnesota. So, you know, they got a lot of cuckoos in their nest. Yeah. Now, let's go away from some cuckoos to some uh, a guy that you call a late-round snare that's hot in certain fantasy circles, Corey Clement. What do you think about this kid in, in Philly once again? Just don't play him Sunday. Don't play him Sunday. I don't think he'll be out there. He got hurt in uh, the preseason. You know, he's still nursing that leg. I think that uh, anybody that's going to put him out there, you're not going to get too many yardage out of him in week one. 
Well, not only that, I'm concerned about Philadelphia point blank. We saw Foles in uh, in the exhibition. I think that shoulder issue that he has is a whole lot more damaging than they're letting on. I think what they're trying to do over there is to try to entice some team to come in and trade. They know that their third stringer could step in and even stop for them if they need, and they know that Carson Wentz is going to be back shortly. Just a, a word of a word of caution and warning to everybody. Remember, we're recording Thursday before. You, you, you see it, you, you see it, Mo. You look at him last year. Everything was over the top. If you watch him in the exhibition, it was basically like he was sidearming just to compensate for the shoulder infringement. Mm. Uh, you know, when your quarterback can't throw the ball, uh, you got yourself a problem unless you're running the wishbone. Now, so do you? What do you think of Corey Clement's season-long projection? I think that he'll probably be their most valuable back, but I still see them going to the committee over there. Corby's going to be their Ligarius uh, Blunt type. He's going to be the guy that when they get in the red zone, they're going to bring him in. Corby's going to be the type of guy he's going to get his touches too as a wide receiver. I would say, you know, 750 yards as a ball carrier, probably about 400 yards as a receiver. I put him down for seven, eight touchdowns. What about a guy, ninth season in the NFL, 35 years old, listed as 5'6", 190 pounds. I'm talking Darren Sproling with my homies, Darren Sproles, number two with the Eagles. Do you think he can get it done yet again? Well, he's either got one of the two things. The year sitting out, getting healed up from the Achilles. He's either got himself fresh legs or he's got himself damaged goods. So it's going to come down to you didn't see much of him in uh, the exhibition. I was surprised that they didn't try to sneak Pumphrey through and get him onto their practice squad. Because Pumphrey, to me, is nothing more than another Sproles anyway. But uh, the jury's out right now so we can see what he could do with the ball in his hand, Elmo. Yeah, again, every year he's been in the NFL, he's over four yards of carry, sometimes over five, heck, one time over six. Yeah, uh, but that year out, Mo, and the injury you're talking yeah. about, here we go again. I always look at one thing. If I see a ball player with an Achilles or an ankle and he's a, a ball carrier, I'm concerned because I'm not going to get that cutback skills out of the guy. Yeah, only three games last year. So either he's healed, like you say, and they're just holding him, or this is the, the beginning of the end. Why do I see eight and eight from the Eagles? You think so? Because of the injury to quarterback and, and the running backs? Also, I'm pretty suspect looking at that offensive line. Yeah. I don't think Jason Peters is the Jason Peters of old. I do see their future over there is that uh, that kid that they brought in from Australia. Oh, my God. He was just knocking people on their butts in, uh, in exhibition. But uh, he's definitely not ready for prime time. Uh, you look at the defense. I think they lost a lot on defense and didn't address their linebacking issues. On top of that, they got their best linebacker sitting out a game or two, I think, in Bradham. Uh, you look at the secondary, they're still playing musical chairs back there. They're playing a guy at cornerback and Mills that everybody knows is nothing more than a safety. So, you know, when it comes to the deep routes, I think they're going to get burnt a little. Another cloudy depth chart at running back, Indiana or Indianapolis, the Colts. Marlon Mack, questionable with a hammy. Jordan Wilkins, Naheem Hines, for those of you still keeping score, they, they do indeed have C. Mike, Christine Michael. Robert Turbin's already out. So what do you think of the situation? Do we get any clarity between Mac? He's probably not going to go week one. Is it going to be Hines? Is it Wilkins? What do you think? 
I me, I look at Hines right now and I say this is a guy that I'm waiting to see what happens during the season because there's a lot of ways I could use this guy. Hey, you look at Hines, you look at Sproles in his prime. I, these yeah. these two guys have a lot of similarities. Hines is a return man. I think he's going to be dangerous coming out of the backfield as a receiver. We know what he could do with his hands. He's a squirt, but he's a good daughter. I like what he could do, but this is a guy too that I'm keep trying to limit to about 15 touches a game. Their offensive line, a little bit of a concern. You know, you got Ryan Kelly coming back from the injury. Matt Slauson starting at right guard. They got the monster at left guard. I think he's one of the best. And unfortunately, because of their right tackle position, the guy that should be playing right guard, the other rookie, Braden Smith, is going to have to handle right tackle duties earlier in the year. What about the tight end over there? They got uh, the disaster, if you're a Detroit fan, Eric Ebron, and then they got Jack Doyle. What do you think of these two guys? Eric Ebron's going to make Detroit regret getting rid of this guy. He just needed a change of scenery, and I think this is going to be very beneficial for them. And you look at when you got an Oliver Luck, you got a guy that's coming back. Uh, you got T.Y. Hilton, and then you really don't have much of a wide receiver. So I'm going to see them playing a lot of double tight end formation. More than likely, emotion will be Ebron. Uh, Doyle will be in the classic spot. But uh, I see that you're going to have a lot of times where Brian Grant is sitting on the bench and Ebron's out there instead. I, I just can't even discuss Ebron. I mean, uh, Detroit fan, 2014 draft on the board, Dave. When we took Ebron at 10th, Odell Beckham was there. Aaron Donald was there. It, Zach Martin was there. Yeah, but you had a New England guy that was a general manager, and you know what it is up in New England. Scoop up every tight end that you could find. <laughs> gracious. He just it still well, brings a little of tight ends my... out there. I mean, if you've got a waiver wire or a practice squad right now, I'd be scooping up Hollister over in New England. I, <laughs> you look at what's going to happen up in New England. Brady's not getting along well with his, with his wide receivers. They're probably going to be another team that's going to end up using the double tight end formation a lot. We know what he's going to get in Gronk, but boy, Brady and Hollister have been really hooking up well this year during uh, the exhibition route. You think Hollister could get some touch, could score and get some pass catching yards, uh, some receptions? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm looking at this guy at least 35 35 receptions this year. Hmm. All right. he's He's my sleeper tight end. I like him a lot. Well, I'm hoping uh, you're still high on Dallas Goddard, Goddard. I never know which one it is. Oh, yeah, and there there we go with another team, too. You know, we're seeing that a lot of teams right now are starting to utilize the double tight end. A lot of teams, I mean, uh, the fullback is basically turned into a dinosaur out there. So when you're going with a double tight end and you've got a bruiser like Goddard, I mean, you go with Goddard and Ertz out there, no matter who's that quarterback. Hell, I could put Venus to Milo there and get some yardage out of those dudes. All right, that makes me feel better about my dynasty draft. I'm still (laughs) kind of wringing my hands that Royce Freeman was on the board. You're telling me all these good things, and I didn't go with Freeman. I ended up with Chubb. What about well, the guy that's? Go, go ahead. I'm telling people right now, you want a tight ending. You don't give a damn about blocking. You want to get points for your fantasy team. Look what happened down in Miami. Marquise Gray blows out his ACL. We know that Jasicki is going to get a lot of touches now. Okay, this kid can't block worth the squat, but they're going to have to move that ball somehow. And Tannehill just yeah. loves going Dinkin and Duncan. So well, uh, you know, if you I, got a waiver wire pick and he's not picked up by anybody, I tell everybody right now, grab this guy. He's probably going to have fifty-year receptions before the end of the year with Gray gone. He was certainly the the biggest tight end talk in fantasy circles for rookies. 
I think what scared people is the lack of usage in the preseason game. I think he had two targets after week three. I think he ended with four targets or something. Yeah, but can you go back and look at the Rams? I don't think anybody stepped on the field for the Rams out there. It was a strange it was a strange training camp for a lot of guys. You look at a lot of teams, you were expecting them to at least put their first unit out there for a quarter or so, and what did they do? They might have gone out there for a series. Well, I think probably the cleanest uniforms you would see of any team this year as far as starter-wise goes coming out of training camp with the Rams and well, Miami. Let's not compare Adam Gase to Sean McVay. Because... Oh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, uh, he, we're, we're talking about a situation over here where these were coaches that decided, you know what, I'm not going to burn out my vets. I'm not going to burn out my starters. Let's see what they do in a season. Now, that yeah. could be good. You got all those fresh bodies out there. But two, uh, you know, reps in practice and reps in a game are two different things. I mean, you're going up against your own teammates, so you're pretty familiar with the guy or what he's going to do. It's the element of surprise that takes effect on Sunday, though. Oh, no, I'm saying McVeigh, yeah, for sure. That's what he did. I just don't think Adam Gase is smart enough to actually employ that technique. Well, you know, Adam Gase is a quarterback whisperer, so just as long as he says the right things in Ryan Tannehill's ears. You think I just, so? I, I'm not a fan of their wide receivers. Uh, you, you look at their wide receivers and you wonder what's going to happen there. Okay. Uh, I, I see Danny Amendola in a slot, but, you know, too, you got to have Band-Aids on the sideline anytime he's playing for you. Yeah, I, I, um, I've i never been a fan of Gase. I think if you're looking for somebody, you know, Stills, everybody is loving Stills, but he works downfield. Tannehill does not. His average depth of target, I think, two years ago, he was like 28th in the NFL or something. But a guy that runs right there is Albert Wilson. So I kind of like an Albert Wilson this year. And I kind of like Kenyon Drake and Kalen Ballage over Frank Gore. I think signing Frank Gore is going to retard the progress of those two young guys. I think Drake definitely deserves a start. I think Ballard outperformed uh, even Drake during uh, the exhibition schedule. Now, I, I, I like Ballard. I, I look at Ballard yeah. and I see another Mo Forte. Okay. Now, do you think the Gore signing was not about on-field talent, but locker room leadership? Uh, you know, I look at my roster, and if I got those guys out there and they're picking up the paycheck, don't give me that crap about leadership. I got to bring this guy in. I better have myself 53 leaders on that team. If not, I'm not giving them a paycheck to go to the banquet. I, I think that the thing was they looked at, they didn't know what they had in an element of Kenyon Drake. Okay. They looked at the draft. They knew that they couldn't get a quality running back in the draft, at least not where they were picking in the, the issues that they had at other positions. But you, you turn around right now, you got Drake that really has fresh legs because you look at what happened over at Alabama. Uh, Saban barely used that guy. And when he did use that guy, big things happened. Same thing mm -hmm. with Ballage. You know, you look at Ballage. Ballage's only issue is staying on the football field. If you go back and look at what he did at ASU when he was on the field, that's a highly productive ball player. And what I want right now, I want a blue-collar type behind my uh, my veteran starter for the simple reason is I could bring the guy in. I know, okay, he could get me four yards here. He could get me six yards as a receiver. He could block for me. I think we'll see more of Drake and Ballage as the season goes on and less and less of Gore. Okay, now, as you said, Drake didn't really get much usage. I mean, he really came to light end of the season last year. He is phenomenal. He's had nearly five yards of carry almost every single year going back to college. But can he sustain a full workload? 
Yeah, this this kid is really built. You look at it and wonder why they didn't use him, but then you have to go back and look at the running backs that they have when he was there. I mean, Eddie Lacy, uh, Henry, uh, Scarborough. So everything that went on down in Alabama was if you weren't a five-star or in Nick Saban's eyes a six-star, uh, you went back on the ladder a little bit. Yeah, um, I believe. But the great thing, Mo, I mean, the great thing, Mo, is the lack of touches that he had. But now when he came into the league, it was like he was a cannibal. Yum, yum, eat him up every time they gave him the ball. Well, last year, Drake, he didn't get that many attempts. And I believe he uh, had like seven yard, seven runs over 20 yards. And according to PFF, he was number one for yards after contact, Kenyon Drake. Well, that's the same thing I'm talking about with this kid, Ty Johnson. Everybody's sitting out there. But like I'm trying to explain to a couple of teams uh, the other day with my report, I said, look at his long distance runs. And they says, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I says, not only that, here's a kid that last year alone, he had big distance runs that set up 18 other scores. So when I got a back that could do that, it was similar to what Kenyon Drake did. I'd love having it. Mo? Yes. Oh, I heard a big, big beep there. I thought I lost you for a second. <laughs> yeah, it, it cut out for a hot second, but oh, right, we should we should be good, sir. Let's keep my. It looks like okay. uh, we're still rolling. If we lose over here, it's because God's finally coming for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's too early, man. Uh, what's the old saying, Dave? Let. Uh... I, I think I, I think God's a Frank Gore fan, and he didn't like what I was saying. <laughs> what's the old saying? Let let the de- let you be in heaven for twenty minutes before the devil knows you're dead. Oh, listen, I know where what's happening with me. Heaven doesn't want me. Hell's afraid I'd take over. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're, we're back. We're live here still. You were saying you, you think you've got faith in Drake if he gets the full workload. How do you see, I mean, let's say Gore does what you say, because I think a lot of people expect that. He might be early in the season. Towards the end. What's the distribution going to look like mid-season? Are, are we seeing a 70-40? So, I can't even do math. 70-30 split Drake with Bellage? Yeah, yeah. And then next year it'll be a different story. Bellage will start pushing for more playing time in 2019, and I think it will come down to a 50-50 split by then. Right now, they just want to make sure that Ballage stays healthy. The thing I liked about him was when he when he messed up that play in training camp and Tannehill just ripped into him. It was yeah. like yes sir, no sir, yes sir, no sir. It was like yeah. I absorbed, I acknowledge my mistake. I'm not going to sit here and pout. He went out on the next play and did what Tannehill wanted from him. You got to like that in a kid, especially a young one, because after getting torched like that, he could have gone into a show on everybody, but he yeah. didn't. Yeah. And he even said to the press, it was my bet. Don't blame Ryan. Well, that's what you want. And I'm not a big Hugh Jackson fan, but I, I do like to quote, like, everybody makes mistakes. You're going to keep me. You can make mistakes for me. You just can't keep making them. And well, well, you go up to New England right now. You know, they're still going to use that running back uh, committee. But I say the second half of the season, once he's healthy, they got to go with Michelle. I mean, yeah. geez, you, you saw what he did down at Georgia. And Bill's no fool. He knows the only way he's going to get back into the playoffs is if he could establish a ground game. So do you think think it's going to be week four before we see him? Yeah, I think I'll be back week four. I would say week eight, he's starting to tote the ball a whole lot more. Uh, You see right now that already they're saying he's out two to four weeks. So, Okay. All right. Yeah, I hope you're you're right. I want to see him sooner 
Then well, later, the good thing, so. too, is that you look at a lot of running backs, you know, when the season goes on, they got the dings and the dungs and everything else. So if you could bring in a fresh body half season, you're doing something to the other team's defense. Because remember, too, those guys got a lot of black and blues on their body. What about the uh, the backfield over at Jacksonville? Got kind of two more. I want to get to Jacksonville and Cleveland a little bit here. Jacksonville, of course, we've got Leonard Fournette. Everybody loves him. TJ Yeldon, Corey Grant. Who's going to step up between those guys? If you look at Corey Grant, PFF, they do their own grades, pro football focus. They graded Corey Grant with the highest rushing grade for running backs last year. So is there hope for Corey Grant? Is it a, a TJ Yeldon kind of a deal? Or what do you think? You know, TJ's a good receiver coming out of the backfield, and the same thing does come down to pass protection. You look at the team that they got over there, they have a decent offensive line, nothing really great. Norwell was a great pickup for them. I think Cam Robinson is really going to emerge this year at left tackle, but they lost themselves a key at the wide receiver position when Marquise Lee was lost for the year. Moncrief was a great pickup. I think that even the Keelan Cole with the year that he had last year, I'd be looking over my shoulder right now at DJ Chark. Oh, you think I, I did see some talk. Uh, one of the beat writers there said Chalk was the best receiver in camp. This was after. Yeah, I, I see him moving into the lineup real quick over there. I'm not sold on D.D. Westbrook yet. Okay. I think D.D. is probably nothing more than a slot receiver. There's a reason he went in the fourth round a little more than just his off-field issues. I really wish that Rashad Green could find uh, something out there to keep him out of the pickle and uh, keep him healthy on the football field. I think Rashad Green has a lot to offer. I look at the backfield, though, is though, like I say, you've you got a Yeldon out there. Yeldon could probably start for half of the teams in this league. But having a, a Yeldon and a Corey Grant, remember, Fournette got banged up last year. Mm-hmm. So you, you you really need to have yourself at least three deep at the running back spot. And you think Corey Grant, if Yeldon goes down, you think he can step up and they would they do just fine? Well, I'm looking at one thing, 15, 16, 17, 18. This is his fourth year. Next year, he's an unrestricted free agent. You go and look at the running backs that are coming out in this draft. I mean, Corey Grant probably could get a lot of ducats when teams sit down and see that it is an average running back draft unless you want to go for the scooters. Corey Grant, we haven't seen him much. 30 attempts last year, but on 10% of those, he went for over 20 yards. I, I the whole thing is waiting for an opportunity, Mo, you know. So, you know, if something happens to Fournette and Yeldon, he's going to step in there. you got to go back and look what happened years ago with uh, Terrell Davis up at uh, Denver. Yeah. He went yeah. in the season. He was third on the depth chart by game three. The starters were down. Next thing you know, it was history. Well, I'm not saying Corey Grant's going to do uh, 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 Terrell Davis, but... I'd be comfortable signing this kid to a short-term deal with some nice ducats and see what he could do for me next year. I picked him up in the Dynasty League, and uh, J.J. Zacharyson did an interesting study where he was looking for breakouts. A guy that broke out where he wasn't drafted high, nobody was really talking about him, he wasn't a handcuff, he wasn't a guy that did real well the year before, and a lot of what he found, I think, checks the box for uh, a Corey Grant. Well, look up what happened KC last year. They took a guy in the third round, and he ended up being a godsend for them at running back in Hunt. Yeah. I mean, now, I look at Cleveland, I see that the, the pickup of Carlos Hyde, I love that because now you got Hyde, who's the scooter. you got Duke Johnson that could catch coming out of the backfield. And if Nick starts playing the way that Nick plays, having Chubb as my big back is a great benefit. Well, tell me about that because I've got I, I picked him up, as I said. I left Royce Freeman on the board. We didn't see, I didn't see what I thought I was going to see out of Chubb. 
Do you think? No, I is... didn't either in training camp, and I was surprised because I thought this kid was going to come into this league, yeah. man, and just start tearing people apart. I yeah. thought he was going to give Carlos Hyde a run for his money at the starting job. You know, Duke's going to do what Duke's going to do. He's probably the best third down back out there, not named Dion Lewis. So you, you look at one thing, though, is I'm concerned with the left side of the line. They're talking about signing a, 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 a rookie free agent at left tackle. Uh, you know, whether yeah. you're Baker Mayfield or Tyrod Taylor, you don't want your coach doing that. If so, you know, hey, 0-16, 1-15, what will this year be? <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, in that last preseason, I think Chubb, he added one good run. But Hyde, I think, had just as many yards and half as many carries as Chubb. I just... Could I you imagine if this team, though, goes out there? Now there's talk again. They're again interested in Des Bryant. Des Bryant, Antonio Callaway, and Josh Gordon. <laughs> Dr. Sigmund Freud would be sitting on the couch if he was with that team. That's a, a good time party right there. Uh, oh my, Yeah, well, a good time party the wrong way, though. <laughs> yeah, a good time for about, you know, 10, 20 minutes while they're hanging out, and then the rest of their life is... You know, between the three, then we're talking hemp power. <laughs> Exactly right. So what do you think of Cleveland this year? Is Hugh Jackson going to be the, the first coach out the door? Cotter, what do you, what do you think? I, I don't see you surviving no matter what happens over there. You understand when a general manager comes in and he's got a coach with such a bad track record as you does, I think the only reason they're holding on to them was they had so much change. Me, I would have just gone ahead and blown up everything. Just yeah. gotten it out of the way and starting from scratch. They got a couple of decent players, though, I really like out there. You know, they got uh, Betonio and uh, Zeitler on the line. I think Austin Corbett's going to be a fine for them. If Callaway could stay out of trouble, him, Callaway, and uh, Gordon, that's a great three at the wide receiver spot. The Miami kid, uh, I can't pronounce his name, the Joko at tight end. I think if his knee holds up, we got a good one there. They got a great blocker in Darren Fells. And, mm-hmm. you know, don't this, don't this count Tyrod Taylor. I know everybody's saying, Drew, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield's the future, but if the future's now, it's going to be Tyrod. Yeah, I like Tyrod, but uh, I, I can't. I can five, six wins out of these guys, but uh, it's all going to come down to if the offense could even get going. That defense, that defense is really nice, though. I think Vegas has them at six, five, five, six, something like that. But that um, defense, that defense is going to win a whole lot more games for them than their offense will. You think, yeah, Miles Garrett, he's looking good. Peppers and I'm telling you, front. that middle linebacker is really going to come through for them this year, the Wisconsin kid, Joe Sherbert. And having a freelancer like Jamie Collins, where I could play him either at the line or play him at strong side linebacker. I think Denzel well play, uh, Ward playing alongside Jabril Peppers on the left side of uh, their secondary is outstanding. And they yeah, got like, smart. They moved to Marius Randall over to safety rather than what uh, Green Bay was trying to convert him into a cornerback. He got eight, eight up at cornerback last year. Well, you know, he's a kid that he's a downhill tackler. You don't put a downhill tackler on a man coverage. Okay, but yeah, so you like Randall at the free safety. And like I said, Peppers, I think I said he's up front, but it's, he's the strong safety. Uh, well, Pe- Peppers is sort of like uh, Taylor or Dion Buchanan. Uh, we'll we'll see him a lot playing in the second level too as a cover two guy. Okay, and he, so, he's there. How can I put it? He's there. Uh, Swiss Army knife. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. Yeah, he's doing. Um, he and Callaway, right? Punt returner, kick returner. Yeah, I think they're both on kick returns, and Peppers is ahead of Callaway on punt returns. Well, I tell you um, one thing I'm really looking forward to seeing this year is the Seattle Seahawks going three and out. Yeah, you think? 
Well, you, the reason is, I love that freaking punter it is. I think that punter is going to knock a ball out of the stadium one day. <laughs> that that yeah, Australian kid that they picked up, what's his name, Dixon? Oh, my God. I mean, you, you sit there and practice and watch this guy. You're going one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. By the time you get to six Mississippi, you're wondering if the ball's still in orbit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Michael Dixon, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, I, I pity any punt returner with that guy out there on the field. It, it could be a long year, but that's why a lot of people like Russell Wilson so much because they're going to have to pass and they're not going to be in many games and they're going to have to run up the score. Yeah, but if Russell goes down, they got themselves some big, big trouble up there. You're not a big fan of Brett Hundley who couldn't hack it and got outplayed by Deshaun Kaiser in Green Bay? Hey, I'm just I'm just looking to see that skyscraper come out on the field at tight end, man. That former Washington offensive tackle, Will Disley. That that just that should be special when Disley lines up in the huddle next to Rashad Penny. It's going to be like a mutton, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, I remember you talking about Disley when we did the tight end. Episode. I love this guy. He is so freaking raw, but they talk about basketball players converting over. I look at tackles, too, doing that. I mean, when I got a guy that could block the sun, and now I got him at, well, at tight end, and he's got really good hands, I think Nick Vanette will be a second stringer before long. I think so. Oh, yeah. Wow. All right. Yeah, I, they don't, do. I, I do not be surprised if they turn around and make uh, Don, uh, Darryl Daniels their third stringer or linebacker before long. I think he's playing out of position. It took him fourth round in the draft this year. Now, I'm not as familiar as you are, but was he a, a pass catcher? Was he utilized as a pass catcher? No, no he, catcher? he was an offensive tackle at Washington yeah. until his senior year up there. Then they moved him outside, but he was doing pretty well. He was averaging 16 a clip. Yeah, he's a big kid. I mean... Uh, well, being a former tackle, you know he's going to block. And he, you saw what happened with Russell last year. He was sort of like Curly from uh, the yeah. Three Stooges. Beep, 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 yeah. Trying to get away from everybody. Yeah, just a 6'4", 265. So it, hey, hey, you look at that offensive line till J.R. Sweezy gets up the snuff and uh, replaces G.J. Fluker at right guard. I think they're going to have problems on the right side of that line. Yeah, and that's why I just see a tight end from there being held in the block because they need yeah. it. You know, I don't and see it. You're talking to 280 and Disley. You're talking 275 and Vanette. So, you know, those are two nice guys to put out there. I think Tyler Lockett's going to be the key more than Doug Baldwin, though, this year among their wide receivers. You know, I loved Baldwin early on, but then you get this knee injury, and he comes out yeah. and says he's only going to be 80% all season. I, I still loved him, but you might be right with the injury. That worries me. And you got the box of chocolates and Brandon uh, Marshall. You never know what you're going to get from him. I can't believe he's still on the team, to be honest. But uh, Well, you know, actually him and Russell were doing quite well during uh, training camp. So uh, you, you live, you die with the sword. So they had no other choice. You, you look at their uh, wide receivers over there. It's much better than putting a David Moore or a Jerron Brown out on the football field. So... One last thing, because, you, you know, you were high on Chubb early, and I just want to kind of circle back to some of these guys that, that you picked. You picked the uh, Sony Michelle. Chubb I'm still high on, but Chubb is the type of guy, it's like uh, uh, when the leaves start falling out of the tree, I think he'll finally start grasping things. Okay. Well, you, you picked Michelle Geist Chubb. 
as your top three running backs when I talked to you last about. And boy, I did know, I put the onus ago. on them. The next thing we know, Alan Alder was uh, calling two of them. <laughs> yeah, it, that's true. Now, so what running, what running back does your opponent have this week so I could praise him so he'll get knocked out of the game? <laughs> I'll, I'll look at all my opponents and I'll email you. You can work that's your it, mojo. That, that, that's all, Mo. You know, I could help your fantasy football team in other ways. Shake your juju bees, uh, juju beads. Do some, do some mama voodoo. Yeah, you take, know, burn the stage and this. everything. I'll, I'll do it all for you. Don't worry about it, Mo. <laughs> so, where do you see these three kids? Uh, obviously, guys, we're not going to see them until next year. Chubb. A lot of people have said, really, this year is not even a year for Chubb. It's going to be uh, Carlos Hyde, and then next year is going to be a Chubb year. Now you got Michelle with with the injury. So let's say five years from now, oh, are these Chubb. all top? Chubb, five years from now? Yeah, Michelle. Oh, Michelle, five years oh, from yeah. now. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I look at Michelle, and it shades of Mercury Morris all over again. Okay. And with Bill over there, Bill will actually have to devise a game plan just for Michelle out there on the football field. And it will take Bill out of his element because he won't have his running back by committee anymore once Michelle gets into a groove. All right. Uh, I still think Gaichi, uh, I will put Gaichi number two on that and then follow by Chubb. I, I think that what I'm looking at, I, I like him better than Fournette, really? his former teammate. Yeah. Now, if it wasn't for the knee, we probably would have seen it now. But at least he gave somebody that was sitting in a retirement home an opportunity to get out there and play again. Well, Jeremy you know, P- they have no, they have no choice. Well, they have no choice in going with Peterson. Thompson's banged up right now. Mm, Kelly, okay. you still don't know what you're going to get with Kelly. Anything they're, they're, else? Their their saving factor over there is going to be Alex Smith. I think Jamison Crowder is going to benefit greatly by having Smith at quarterback. A lot of people are getting louder for Crowder. Uh, they are liking him this year, and well, I, I agree. Not only that, I, I, well, especially if you're playing fantasy, Mo, you got to look at the points he's going to get you on returns too. Yeah, that's true. Crowder with, with points per reception on returns, and I like Smith uh, better than um, Kirk from or, uh, last year. Uh, Kirk was a good passer, but he didn't have, doesn't have the arm like Alex does. The thing that Alex has way over Smith is the mobility and the vision to spot uh, my other receivers. I mean, he goes through the route progression better than any quarterback out there, not any Tom Brady. Hmm. And what about a boy, your boy Daxon? What happened? He's kind of fallen down a little bit. I know, uh, I know. I mean, after seeing that kid going crazy in a Horn Frog uniform, I was expecting a lot out of him, but they really got to do something this year because if you look at their wide receivers, if Doxon doesn't come through, if Paul Richardson is still banged up, yeah. you're staring at Crowder and nothing because look at their backups. Harris, Quinn, Sims, it sounds like a law firm, not a, not NFL-wide receivers. Yeah, Maurice Harris, Trey, Quinn, Cam, Sims. I mean, it's like I don't even think their mothers know who they are. <laughs> Lord, I, Lord knows I don't. I had to look it up. Uh, and then you you, you got a tight game. end that you never know if he's going to be out there on the football field and not in Jordan Reed. Luckily, they got a quality uh, second tight end in Vernon Davis. Yeah, you know, Jordan Reed, there was that one year when on a points-per-game basis, he was better than Gronkowski. He just can't stay on the field. Well, especially in the head, you know, he's taking quite a few shots over yeah. there, sort of like Mike Tyson. Yeah, and that's that's scary. The key for Washington is going to be that defensive line. I think we're probably going to see a defensive line that's going to start three defensive tackles before long. That fifth-round draft pick, Tim Settle, I am telling you guys, he's the second coming to Casey Hampton. 
they're going to try to figure a way to get Jonathan Allen, DeRon Payne, and Tim Settle on the field this year. More okay. likely down near the goal line, but watch those three guys. I mean, they're going to be smothering quarterbacks. That put, pushes out uh, Ian Idis, right? Yeah, 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 but yeah. when you got Kerrigan and Smith lining up behind them, those are the guys that are going to come in and get the quarterback for you. The other three guys are going to pr- apply pressure. The best way I could describe uh, Tim Settle was last year, and it's hard for me to give this tag. I only give it to certain players, but it's called block destruction. Don't look at the tackles that he makes out there. Look at the multi, at the times he ends up taking on multiple blockers, containing them so somebody else could get a, uh, make the play. That was the same thing that made Casey Campton so great for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Don't look at 18 tackles for the year. Look at how many guys he's occupying. So you're saying to settle so good they might move to a 4-3, or they're just going to kick him over to the defensive end? I go 3-4 because of Smith and Kerrigan as my outside linebackers because I could line them up on the edge. I could be comfortable with those three run stuffers. And if you go back and look at the NFC East right now, you know, I'm going up against Barkley. I'm going up against Ezekiel Elliott, and I'm going up against my guys in my division at least twice. So you're looking at the North, uh, the NFC North and uh, East thing. You're looking at a division over there that's got some pretty buku running backs. Clog the middle of the field. Let them go to the outside. Let your linebackers make the big play. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, they do have some good ones there. Uh, the NFC East is going to be fun to watch the, the running backs there. Yeah, and... it's going to be fun watching, you know, how many times they got to bring the gurney out, too. <laughs> Who do you we're think? Talk, we're talking black and blue. I think that, you know, the NFC North has carried that label, but yep. I think the NFC East this year is going to be the black and blue division. Yeah, I mean, look, Detroit, they got they don't they got four running backs, basically three Green Bay Packers. Heck, one of their running backs is not even on the field for a couple of weeks, and one of them's probably the, the better wide receiver in Ty Montgomery. When where is Mouse Davis with the run and shoot? When you have no running game, you might as well go to the air. But I don't think anybody's going to try to resurrect Mouse right now. Last thought for me, Dave. Who do you think's going to be in the playoffs? That might be a surprise. Who's your Who's your team? Uh, the Rams will be in there if they don't lose Goff. If they lose Goff, that's it. The season is over with with them. Right. Uh, on the other side of the ball, I haven't seen uh, an AFC team that I could place my number on and say yeah this is a team that's going to go far i think that we're seeing a lot more a lot more parity in the afc i'm worried about the pittsburgh steelers i'm not sold on them new england i see them as a 500 team uh the jets i see their coach being fired at the end of the season you go down and down you just keep on going down miami's not really going to be able to do anything i i haven't found anybody that i could say is going to be my front runner on that side jacksonville Tennessee? Yeah, you know, here I go with Bortles again. Bortles is not what I would call my playoff quarterback. No, but a team like Jacksonville or Baltimore, solid defense, a a great ground game, it certainly can be done. Baltimore was one of the last to do it. The offense at Tennessee does not fit their quarterback. So they got it's sort of like you're sitting out there and you're trying to put that square peg in a round hole. Well, they even have this... to eat, they're going to have to either let Mariota run his own game over there because, to me, he looks very robotical. And coming out, he, he was the one that had legs. He was the, the runner, more so than Winston, and we just haven't really seen that as, as much. And that was, of course, we had the, what do they call it, the smash mouth the past couple of years. Now, what do you think we're going to see for the tight ends, or for the Titans, their uh, offensive scheme? 
Is it more I think, conducive? I think with it's going to be uh, it's going to be more ground oriented because they they planning on featuring Henry. It's going to be more so with the short passing game because they still don't know what Davis is going to bring to the table even after taking him with the fifth pick last year. Uh, you know everything goes down with their uh, tight end over there, uh, but he's getting up in age. Oh, geez, what's his name? Son tip of my tongue. Delaney Walker. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he's getting up there, but, you know, he's a good he's still safe, a quality safety tight end. blanket. He's, safety he's, blanket like, he's like your second-tier tight end. You know, after you get past the Kelsey's and the Gronks yep. and the Grams, you'll, that's where you find Delaney Walker. He's ageless. <laughs> yeah, he's right there. That second tier with, you know, Ingram is going right there. A lot of people have Olsen going right there. I like, I'm in a tight end premium league, Plays uh, pays 1.5 per reception. Delaney Walker, he's perfect. Right, he's he could easily lead all tight ends in targets. I look at it though that with Henry, you want to keep with a short passing game. You just want to move to change. You don't want yep. to get too cute out there on the football field. Davis is a good receiver, but Davis also had that injury problems. Uh, you don't know what you're going to get with Rashad Matthews because he's still coming back from that minor knee surgery. Yeah. I mean, Tajay Sharp almost got cut coming out of training camp himself. So, you know, they they only have two decent wide receivers, nothing great there. But you look at their offensive line, and that offensive line with those two tackles over there, it's ideal for a big bruising back like Derrick Henry. And then you got Deion Lewis to come in and be your third down guy. What about a lot of people, you know, two two wide receivers to talk about, a uh, guy taken in the, within the 10 picks the first round last year, Corey Davis, and a lot of people are excited about Taewon Taylor. Do you, do you, do you see anything for these two? Uh, Davis, it all comes down to the hammy. If the hammy's healed, uh, you're talking about a 70 reception man. Okay. What about Taylor? I think the problem is he doesn't have chemistry with Mariota. But, you know, Mariota was banged up a little bit last year, too. So, you know, Mariota was more so relying on Matthews and Walker than he was with any of the youngsters. Uh, I, I still haven't seen much out of Taylor in training camp for me to put a stamp on him as my number three guy. I think Sharp will probably get more of the number three duties, yeah. All right, Dave. We are we are coming up on the end here. Any uh, any last minute thoughts, words of wisdom, guys you like to to pass on to the pyromaniac listeners? Well, I'm telling everybody, man. There's two wide receivers you need to pick up. That's Mr. Godwin uh, from Penn State down at Tampa Bay, yep. and one kid that I simply love, and I think it's really going to be Trubisky's uh, calling card, and that's going to be him and Anthony Miller. Yeah. I head down to Dallas. Uh, you know, I got to go and run with Dallas, and I got to take a gallop with Michael Gallup. Hmm. Over uh, Hearns? Yeah, watch what happens down there. Watch when they go to their receivers. He's going to get more and more confidence in Gallup as the season goes on. Wouldn't surprise me if Gallup ends up being on the all-rookie team by the end of the year. Really? All right, yeah. Lots of love for uh, Chris Godwin. I just don't know about the quarterback getting them the ball and yeah that, um, that's the problem because you open up with Fitz and then you go to Winston and you figured if Winston follows suit like he always does he's probably going to get lazy during his suspension and then come back in that that's a situation they just got to rectify they got to cut bait with him at the end of the year there's no way even on his best day he's going to be worth 20 million dollars in 2019 me I look at the quarterback right now and I tell everybody go out and get the next Drew Brees and he's sitting at Penn State and that's Trace McSorley. 
as far as I'm concerned, I'll take Trace Masoli or I'll take the back, uh, the former backup to Carson Hintz at North Dakota State over to Justin Habers and these quarterbacks, the Fromms and them all that are getting all the press right now. Trace McSorley, he's uh, he's the one to watch in uh, That's college. my boy. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm telling you one thing about him. If, if you guys love Baker Mayfield last year, Trace McSorley will amp it up on uh, on that on the field, but off the field, he'll be quiet as a church mouse. This is the second Drew Brees. And in a way, I was really glad for Teddy Bridgewater ending up down at New Orleans, but I was sad at the same time because – in my crystal ball, I was saying round two, New Orleans comes up because they don't have a one and three. They would have come up in round two and taken Trace McSorley, and it would have been, Drew, it's time for you to go out and pass during a couple of years. We got your replacement. All right, so we're watching uh, Ty Johnson in Maryland. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm telling folks right now, this kid, you watch this kid right now, 2019, he's the NFL Rookie of the Year. Woo! Hot takes with Dave T. Thomas. Dave, it is always my pleasure talking to you, and I know Pyromaniacs love you as well. One thing on tie. Let me just go back. This is yeah. how far my research went. I had to go all the way back to 1969 to find out any other <laughs> player at any other position that averaged 40 yards a touchdown. And that was Elmo Wright, and he was a wide receiver. So when I got a running back averaging over 40 yards a pop on my touchdown runs over here, yeah, you know, I tell Ray Charles, you better get out there and look at him. (laughs) (laughs) So Ty Johnson at last year averaged 40 yards per touchdown? Uh, He averaged uh, last year, he actually averaged 46.26 yards per touchdown. For his career right now, he's at 40.62. That's just on running. If you include his receiving and also his kickoff returns, he's averaging 51 yards a touchdown. Wow. Dude, that's a lot of real estate, man. I mean, you know, this this kick could go right out now with all that real estate and purchase New York. And before then, you're telling me it was somebody named Elmo Wright in the 60s? Elmo Wright, 1969, man. My eyes are bleary. I, before I came on your show today, I had to shoot over to my eye doctor and get my eyes checked out again. <laughs> Seriously, they gave me they gave me new glasses today. I, I'm trying to get a hold of Ty's mom right now and tell her, well, thank you very much. Your son blew out my pupils. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, but it was a good blowout. <laughs> yeah, that is a compliment. And, and you think he's going to come out this year, Ty Johnson? Yeah. Ever. And I'm telling everybody right now, the best receiver I've seen in the last 20 years, watch the Stanford game against USC. Hell, go back and watch last week's game. There's this kid whose mother broke 42, still holds 42 NCAA women basketball records. His father's side of the family is like God over in European basketball. The kid came over from Europe. His name is J.J. Arcego Whiteside. What did he do in his uh, in the season opener? Six touchdowns, 233 yards. I, I mean, six receptions, 233 yards, three touchdowns. Wow! And he's anyone looking for Megatron? This is the next Megatron. He's six foot four, 232 pounds. He runs a four three eight, and he has a 44 inch vertical. The mismatches that he creates out there on the football field are phenomenal. The the Stanford kid, and you think he's going to be coming out? Oh, dude, if he doesn't come out, I'm going to kidnap him and put him in the draft. All right, so three names to watch by Romaniacs. Trace McSorley, quarterback, Penn State. Ty Johnson, running back, Maryland. And go ahead, do yourself a favor and look up Elmo Wright. And then we've got J.J. Arcega-Whiteside from Stanford. I love it. 
Well, you, you know what it is. You, you got to start preparing for your 2019 fantasy football draft just in case you get off the blocks real bad today, this Sunday. <laughs> oh, for sure. You know, I'm tired of always learning about the rookies after the fact. I want to keep my eye on some guys and watch as the season progresses and not just hear it secondhand from someone else. So this is perfect. Well, well love- that's what I like about the summer, Mo. It's I get all my time in the film room. You know, nobody bothers me. I'm just sitting there and I start picking up tapes. I start listening to my scouts out there. Hey, Dave, what do you think about so-and-so? So, you know, if they want to play Sherlock Holmes, that's fine. I'll do the Dr. Watson work for them. What's your schedule like now? So I, I just got a hold of you. You were watching some tape. Uh, we tried to do this a couple other days, and you're on the road. What's an average week? I mean, you're traveling. You're how? Give us a peek behind the curtain. Well, you got to understand, I do all four sports. So, you know, I'm always on the move. Uh, the Vegas camp is opening up soon, so I'll be out there. I'll be real curious to see how that six foot eight defensive man that I brought over from Iceland looks. Uh, I do the stuff, uh, the baseball stuff actually is slowed down on me right now, but basketball is kicking up, so we'll be watching, you know, the D-Leagues and all that. Uh, Tony Softley uh, gave me a call over at the AAF, so who knows what they want me to do over there with the new league starting. I like the way that they're signing players, especially keeping players local. My house is this way. If the phone rings, I pick it up. If I write it down on a post-it note, I know that I could do it the next day. If I don't have it on a post-it note, it's that same saying from Brooklyn. Forget about it. Wow. I don't know how you keep all those names straight. I mean, there's thousands of kids we're talking about. Well, here's the funny thing, Mo. I can't remember my own phone number. My phone number is actually taped to my computer. I've had it for a month. But I could sit back. Well, well, I'm in the airport like a month or so ago, and this big bruiser comes in there, and he sits down next to me, and I'm looking at him, and I'm like, oh, Gary Burley. And he's like, yeah. Since 1981, that was one hell of a sack that you had out there in the the Cleveland game. Who the hell are you? And I started just whipping off everything he did that year for the Cincinnati Bengals. And it it freaked him out, but it freaked me out more because it was like I felt like the rain man. (laughs) So not only did you recognize him by face, but you're pulling out stats from 1981? Yeah, it's a problem that I've always had. I got to blame my Uncle Marty years ago when he started showing me how to do this stuff at age four and... I got fascinated by it. When he brought home those American Football League media guides back in 67, I was sold uh, American. Wow. That's uncanny. I don't know how. That is Rain Man. I don't know how you do that. You know, years ago, it was a different story because I had to be, you know, out there for the media and all that. I've cut down a lot on my media stuff over the years. Guys like you, I'll do shows for because I like the hard workers. But if I get a call from FAN, it's like, hey, dudes, man, well, you're just going to go out there and try to get a charge anyway. Yeah. I like the hardworking types, man, because you were the guys that are going to keep this industry going. Hell, Mo, you go back and look at 1985 when Mr. Henning started that fantasy football thing with a little spin doctor over there. Everybody was laughing. Now look at fantasy football. Look at the way it is. Look yeah. at the podcast. I mean, uh, well, that's what I told Paul. I said, look at the podcast out there. I said, this is the future. Radio is not the future. People yeah. want the information when they want it. They don't want to sit there and be tied to a screen at X amount the hours or so right i think that your podcast right now has got to be the best one that i i deal with and you know i love paul and everything else but i do a lot of podcasts out there but i simply enjoy going on with you because it's like me and you sitting at the bar and we don't have a drink in front of us yet we're still waiting for that drink to come but we know that after we're all done over here we're going to hoist a few 
Dave, I, I you know, to uh, let the viewers, the, the listeners in behind the curtain, currently I am drinking an Ellison Crescent Fresh, just for <laughs> real. IPA of my choice, but Dave, but, but no, I, you understand what I'm saying. It's guys like you there to keeping this thing moving forward. I, you know, I go back. It was me, Joel, the uh, Joel Bushbound, the Marasco brothers, Tommy Hepler with our lads. We were the guys that started the the craze of the draft. I remember the first draft I went to in '68. I had a, a buku seat right in front. Nobody even knew what the hell it was at the Waldorf Astoria. Five years later, people are pitching tents outside the the Waldorf. Yeah. To get into the place because all of a sudden it became a rage because guys like Dick Young, guys like Steve Serby, the New York Papers picked up on it. Brian Burrell just ran with the draft. He was one of the founding fathers along with Peter King. Look what's happened now. Now it's the second biggest event outside of the Super Bowl for the NFL. Well, and, and tell people like, you used to do the NFL draft report, but then... I stopped, I stopped when why? they moved tell out of New yeah. I, I am a New Yorker, true and blue, and I told my New York friends back then and there that if they ever left this place, I'm leaving. So after 41 years, that's it. Now, I still do for the teams. There's no yeah. problem on that. But my report will not sit in Chicago, will not sit in Philadelphia, will definitely never sit in Dallas with a Jerry Jones <laughs> sitting there. Uh, you come back to New York, you want my reports, I'll even give it to them for free. But as long that. as you stay out of New York, which I think should be the capital of the draft. I'm sorry, I, folks. I remember you telling me the story when it happened, and I can hear just as much ire in your voice now. Well, it's disappointing because even even the last year that they let out, look at those people that stood out there. Now it's a circus. Everybody come down to an event. BS, this is not an event. We're here to work, and we're here to make sure that our team does what it does. I don't want to sit out there, man, with a, a $20 hot dog in my hand. Let yeah. me run outside to my dirty water stand, man, pay him a buck and a quarter, and get back in and see the, <laughs> the show going down. Oh, man. if uh, I'll save up if I can make it. If the NFL draft returns to New York, I'm there so I can buy you a beer. If they come into New York, I'll wear hot pants. I love it even more. And uh, like the old song, Dave, I'd walk 500 miles just to have a beer with you, man. So uh, <laughs> it is always, always my pleasure talking to you. Well, I'm a great designated driver, so don't worry about that. My bicycle has a back seat. <laughs> hey, uh, I can ride shotgun. I can ride hanging off a banana seat on a bicycle, hanging onto your shirt tails, whatever it takes. I can do it. Hey, I went from running the four-yard dash in four-six. Now I do it in four-six minutes. So you know, I'm I, still here. <laughs> I, yeah, I get winded at, uh, if I walk forty yards. So I, I hear you, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, we were joined with Dave T. Thomas, uh, just NFL scouting legend. You can hear him here on the Paul Crane Scouts on our podcast. Been doing the NFL draft report for years, scouting for over 50 years. Dave T, it is my pleasure. Anytime, Mo, you know that. Of course. And we, until we, our next show, folks, you now could unbuckle your seatbelt. <laughs> we really appreciate it. Dave T, Uncle Dave, he is the best this has been episode 69 of the Pyrolite Fantasy Football Podcast. I, of course, am Pyromaniac Mo, and we are returning to Oregon from the album Killing Floor. Here is Duck and Cover. We will see you on the next time. <laughs>